Thank you very much, Matthew. And good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to worship this morning. I don't know if anybody else has one of these little things on their arm. Uh, they've become very popular. It's a little Fitbit, and it measures how many steps we take each day. And the idea is that we get fitter and fitter and lead a healthier life. And isn't it strange that um, in society, society is so much into fitness and sport. Uh, now, I, I need to check my notes here because I'm not an, an ardent uh, football supporter, but uh, commiserations to Liverpool. I've uh, been beaten by Real Madrid in the Champions League. Uh, commiserations, this is more heartfelt, to Man United, being beat by Chelsea in the FA Cup. Uh, and uh, well done to Leinster, who beat the, 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 the Nestle Scarlets. Um, but whatever your sport is, we get into the, the idea of the team sport and, and the working together. And this passage this morning, it is actually quite a bleak message. But if you, I want you to think about it this morning as Jesus' team talk. And it's the last quarter of the game, and he's telling his disciples to stay faithful and to be encouraged, because it's going to be a hard match. And that's really the, the start, really, as a kicking-off point uh, this morning. It is actually quite a bleak passage. Uh, it is the last week before Good Friday. Jesus gives a sobering message to his disciples of the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and of the end times. However, like every good coach, he has the strategy and words of encouragement to see us through to victory. This also comes with a health warning because my only job here is to teach scripture and scripture is sometimes uncomfortable. Now, we can believe what we like in the world, but if we believe what we like, we can't assume it's biblical Christianity. We have to believe what the word says. So if I say anything that's wrong, that's not scriptural, please tell me. If I say something you don't like that is scriptural, please stick with it. Because as Peter said, these are the words of eternal life. And these are the words that will get us to heaven and to see the Father. There are actually four themes interspersed in this passage. And that's why the passage is a little bit confusing. And I'll call them the four F's, if you'll excuse me, this morning. The fall of Jerusalem. There's also the idea of it being foretold. What Jesus is saying is not actually new. This idea of the fearful day of the Lord. And then his team talk in its pure sense where he says, do not fear, do not follow false fakes, and do not fritter away your time. In other words, don't waste your time. These days are precious. So the first subject this morning is the fall of Jerusalem. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. You know, it really was. Josephus, uh, the scholar from this time, describes the temple. And he says that there's so much gold and banners and things along the, the walls of the temple that people coming in the, the noonday would have been blinded by the reflected light from the sun. In the evening, because it was made of white marble, then it looked like a hill covered in snow. There was a vine in it symbolizing the state of, of, of the Jews. And it had grapes on it, bunches of grapes as tall as a man. This was a magnificent building. And this was the very center of religious life and of national identity. And this is what the Jews had longed for. It was still being completed. They loved their temple. And yet here is Jesus saying that it will be torn down. 
As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. This must have been shocking to the disciples. So of course the obvious question, when is this going to happen? Now a little spoiler, Jesus doesn't actually say, but he tells us so much more. The second F this morning is foretold. What Jesus describes is terrible, but he wasn't actually saying anything new. The Jews had read in the Old Testament and had reminisced about the good old days under King David. They'd lamented about the times in exile in Egypt and then in Babylon. And they'd pulled it all together and reckoned that God was going to deliver them and give them a nation for themselves. Now, unfortunately, what they'd maybe missed in this is the idea of sin and judgment and this idea of the day of the Lord. They commended themselves for their lineage through Abraham and expected God to deliver them. They believed that the present age was bad and evil and incapable of being cured, fit only for destruction. They believed this age to come was a wonderful golden age of God and of Jewish supremacy. And in between was the day of the Lord, a short time of of cosmic upheaval and destruction. But we see that even in the state of Israel today, there's this expectation that God will vindicate them and give them earthly rule and supremacy. But they need to go back to the scriptures and, to, and see this idea of sin and indeed of the Messiah who has already come. The third thing this morning is the fearful day of the Lord. See, everybody wanted this day of the Lord because they thought it brought deliverance as a nation. But what the scripture actually says is that it's not just deliverance, but one of judgment over sin. And the Son of Man will come again at a second coming to bring this judgment in and isn't it ironic that the very son of man that this describes was right there with them and they couldn't see it but there's a few scriptures and and bear with me these are quite hard reading but what Jesus was saying was nothing new Isaiah chapter 13 see the day of the Lord is coming a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. The earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Joel chapter 2, let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, but it is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Amos chapter 5, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only for a snake to bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Zephaniah chapter 1, the great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. A day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. In other words, against what they were putting their trust in. They were putting their trust in the safety of Jerusalem. I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. 
In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. These are, these are things in scripture. These are things we have to take seriously. And if we're not in Jesus and Christ this morning, then these things apply to us. We need to be very conscious of the word of God. Even in Joel chapter 2, which is often quoted nowadays for the positive side, let's just read it. Afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. But then it says, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And yet there is still positive. Everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This idea of survivors, this idea of wrath. This is something that we need to come to terms with and understand for a world that has forgotten God. Jesus says in verse 8, Watch out that you're not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he. The time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. This is where Jesus starts his team talk, and he's telling his disciples, Be prepared but don't uh, be fearful. Don't give up hope. And here immediately he's talking about the false fakes, the people who will come along and claim to be him. A lot of the cults of the last couple of hundred years and even a lot of misguided political uh, movements are, are trying to pinpoint exactly when Jesus is coming back. Now he is coming back soon, but he says in this passage that we won't know the day. We are to prepare for it, but we'll not know it. And a lot of the cults have actually put a date on it and then got a lot of people to follow them and uh, eventually they've led them astray. Do not fear, do not follow the false fakes. Don't fritter away your time. See, Jesus doesn't give any one sign, but he does warn his followers not to be led astray in the happenings that would occur. So this passage isn't really about prophecy. It's not really going to give us a date, but it is about persecution and this team talked to his followers to stay faithful. He said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Now we have had some of those things in recent years, but we've also had them over the centuries. Uh, so when we see great signs like comets and things in the, the heavens, these are signs as well, but they're not immediate signs that it will happen immediately. He says, before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. There's quite a lot in that verse. We remember the, the apostle Paul. His job before he became a Christian was to beat up the Christians and throw them in jail. When he became a Christian, he was beaten up and thrown in jail. There was very definite persecution. But this must have come as a shock, this idea of persecution, because here was the Messiah saying, look, if you follow me, the Messiah, which all the Jews were waiting for, you'll be persecuted. So it must have been very confusing to the disciples. But alas, that is the truth. When we 
try to serve Jesus, when we try to follow him, we will be persecuted. Uh, and we will see the sad, the, um, the, the debate on the, uh, the abortion referendum in the South. Uh, because if we do stand up for trying to protect the life of the unborn, people will misunderstand. They will uh, throw anger at us. Now we do pray for everybody caught up in that because it is not easy situations pastorally. Uh, but uh, we do seek to try and care for both the, uh, the, the pregnant and the, pre- the pregnancy. And but may we also put our money where our mouth is. You know, do we need to pay more taxes so that more children can be raised and so that young mothers can have more choice, more ability to actually raise the children so that they don't feel that they're in a no-end and a, a no-win situation? May we be conscious and sensitive in that whole situation. But Jesus is promising us persecution. Persecution from the synagogue, which he particularly picks up on, was very real. But it ended around AD 70 when the temple fell. So we notice that in this passage there are certain things for certain times and we try to unravel it. Now there are also maybe signs of the end as well because sometimes things aren't fully fulfilled and sometimes we need to look and bear the whole theme that he's trying to get across. Uh, Archbishop Michael Curry speaking at Harry and Meghan's wedding last week, and did did many people watch it? It was a lovely event. Um, It's very joyous, very lovely and uh, lovely uplifting uh, ceremony. And uh, certainly he brought a lot of fire, a lot of energy uh, in his address. Um, My little problem is, what he said was was lovely and wonderful, but he quoted Martin Luther King, and Martin Luther King, yes, he did say love was was a a major uh, goal and a major tool uh, and a force for good, uh, but it's not enough. It's it's really coming uh, and having Jesus Lord and Savior and having the Prince of Peace in our lives. It's not just about the charitable works that we do or, or the good that we do in this world. It's the good that Jesus has already done. Um, so while well, we pray for uh, Harry and Meghan, we do pray that they may be involved in many charitable acts and many good works. We do pray as well that uh, God will bless their marriage and he'll bless them also with coming to know him as Lord and Savior. Uh, for this love comes from the Father. The, the Father had so much love that he couldn't keep it to himself. He shared it on the Son. The Son doesn't keep it to himself and through the Holy Spirit he gives it onto the church. And it is us too as well to give out that love. But the love of Jesus, the great message of the gospel, is the good news uh, that we want to bring to the whole world. It's also interesting that our our theme last week was talking about the vineyard and the tenants who wouldn't have uh, the landlord coming for his rent and threw his servants out. But may we never think that we own the vineyard. We really don't. The Lord is still master of the vineyard. And if we base our belief system on the misguided concept that we own the vineyard, we're sure to go astray. In God's vineyard, Jesus warned that the tenants to repent or they'd be thrown out. And the siege and destruction of Jerusalem was just such a prophecy being fulfilled. The tenants were being thrown out. God had left his temple in Jerusalem because he'd already sent his son to bring salvation. And people didn't need to go and bring sacrifices to the temple anymore. Verse 13, you will bear testimony to me. He's talking to the disciples. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. 
For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Again, it's the team talk. Do not fear. Do not fear in these situations when you will be persecuted. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. This is not an easy gospel. This is not an easy message. And I do believe we're coming maybe into a time of greater persecution for the church. But Jesus' message is eternal. It's to keep our eyes on him and keep faithful. Um, Stand firm and you will win life. It also says, not a hair of your head will perish. That's a strange reading. Because he's just said that some of us, some of his followers may be put to death. But I think he's talking about perishing eternally. Because remember that we're going to live forever. We have eternal life with him. And nobody can grab him out of, nobody can grab us out of his hand. Remember that. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. This is interesting. This was actually, pro- this was actually fulfilled a few years later. Because ordinarily in time of attack, people go to the walled city because they'll feel safe there. Also, maybe people misguidedly wanted to go and protect the temple. But God had already left the temple. Jesus had already come. And what Jesus is actually saying is, don't go to Jerusalem when you see it surrounded. Now, Josephus again tells us that the, the Roman army came and laid siege to Jerusalem. It also says that um, what he says is about a million people there. Now, even uh, modern scholars recalculating from the actual size of Jerusalem have suggested maybe 100,000. But even so, that's a massive number of people. And they perished whenever Jerusalem was laid siege to. Now, what is the difference between those who Jesus actually warned these people and the, the, the Christians, it says, actually escaped to, uh, to Pella? And a lot of the Christians survived because they didn't go to the city and they went out to the countryside. Now, what's the difference? The people who listened to Jesus and the people who didn't. It's a common theme. Even in the Old Testament lessons there, uh, the people who listened to the prophets and the people who didn't, there's there's a dividing line. And it's the same for us this morning. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying to us. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be for those, for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is a bleak reading indeed, especially for those in the city of Jerusalem. But look deeper. We notice that the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And we look at the Old Testament um, lessons. This is not a surprise to God. This is actually God knows these things. And the time of the Gentiles is different uh, interpretations. It could have been when the Gentiles had power, maybe from the time of the Babylonian exile right until Jesus comes back. It could have been the time that the gospel went out to the Gentiles. Because remember, we are so blessed this morning. Because it wasn't just the Jews that were revealed uh, the truth about Jesus and about God. But we, the Gentiles, also have a chance to come and bend the knee to Jesus. 
And that time really came from Jesus till he comes again. And we also know that every tribe and nation will be at the great throne in heaven. So maybe the times of the Gentiles are how long ever, however long it takes for them to be all reached with the gospel. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. That's not a natural reaction when you see all these things happen, is it? But he says, lift up your heads because I've already warned you about it and this is your redemption. Again, here's the difference. The difference is between those who listen and obey Jesus and those who don't know, those who don't follow Jesus. He tells the parable of the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves that summer is near. In other words, when you see these signs, prepare for it. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. That's a difficult one because that particular generation did pass away and we are 2,000 years later. But perhaps, and as has been read and has been meant in contemporary accounts as well, the term generation maybe means a faithful generation, a generation of people who continue to serve God, a lineage of people who follow Jesus. And he's saying, look, you know, there'll always be people following me until this end time. So don't worry, the church is not going to die. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then again, back to the team talk. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. In other words, don't fritter away your time here. Don't waste the time because the time is short. The time is valuable. People need to know Jesus. People need to come to know him because he is coming back. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Beware the distractions because they will not save us. We need to be sober and watchful and prayerful. Then it says each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Remember that Jesus faced his own turmoil in a few days' time. And what was he doing? He was being faithful. He was teaching the people in the temple. And that's another theme for us. In the face of turmoil, let us be faithful. And each of us may go through different times of turmoil in our own lives. Maybe through sickness or bereavement or hurt. Maybe through persecution. But again, let us be faithful, as Jesus says to his team as they prepare for the end game. You see, one man's terrible turmoil and destruction is another man's sign of imminent deliverance. For the Jews and for ourselves, we can't have deliverance without judgment. We can't have a gospel without mention of sin. For ultimately, we can never do enough to win heaven. We cannot save the world without knowing the Savior. And that's the message this morning. It's those that listen to Jesus as opposed to those that don't. As with the fall of Jerusalem, the only difference between the two is whether we listen to Jesus or not and put our trust in him or walk out this morning without doing so. So listen to the team captain. It's the last quarter of the game and we need to do what he says. Amen.